be here. I'm nervous as I can be. Uh, I know who stands here on a regular basis, and I know other caliber of men that have stood behind this pulpit. I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing here? Amen. Uh, but what an honor, what a privilege it is to be here. And uh, my wife and I both grew up in a little old small town called Robbinsville, North Carolina. Uh, by, by the way, the crow flies, that's really not too far from here. Uh, about a two and a half hour drive, just a couple of towns on over from Murphy. And um, uh, I wasn't, wasn't brought up in church. I had a good mom and daddy that later regretted that. Uh, but daddy's more about making a living, I guess, than he was anything else. And I love to go to church. I, I'd bum rides to church. Somebody in the neighborhood's going, I wouldn't go with them. Uh, be honest with you, Bible schools kind of can be a little negative sometimes toward Bible schools, but they're really the highlights of my summers. I love to get to go. And where we grew up, there wasn't no churches had any bus ministries or van ministries. If there had been, I'd have been a bus kid. Uh, but there used to be some of them old mountain churches had old-fashioned cottage prayer meeting. And uh, they was going to have prayer meeting up at Mamaw's house one Thursday night. And Mom and Dad didn't even take me up there. I rode my bicycle up there. Remember it well. Laid it down in the yard and went up on the porch, went into the house. I really didn't know for sure what was happening. I knowed something was going on at Mamaw's. I wanted to see what it was. And I remember it well. It's in 1979. In walked a preacher. Nobody had to tell me that's a preacher. I could look at him and tell. Had no black suit on, carried no black leather King James Bible. Behind him was his wife. She's carrying an old worn out guitar case. And they walked into the house and a few other folk come in. Some of them I didn't know. And I remember she walked over to the corner. She put that guitar case down, flipped the latches and raised the lid, pulled out an old Gibson guitar. And her and her husband right there in Mamaw's living room stood and they began to sing. I even remember the song they sang. One of them old ones, they sang, I don't want to get adjusted to this world. I got through singing. She put the guitar up, and the preacher got his Bible out, and he just started preaching Christ in the Holy Ghost. Found Robbinsville, North Carolina. A little nine-year-old boy lost without God. Showed me my need for a Savior. I didn't really understand it all. I want you to know right now, I still don't understand it all. There's something happened to me that night. I'm, got, I'm glad I got a place that I can go back to. That's where I met the Lord, right there beside the old wood stove in Mamaw's living room. Amen. My, he's been better to me than I've ever dreamed of him being. And uh, it's been a real privilege and honor to try to serve him. Uh, I, I, I met my wife. Again, I wasn't brought up in church, so I didn't know a whole lot. I really, really I still don't know a whole lot. But uh, I knew... My teenage years, some things I was doing wasn't right. I knew I was grieving the heart of God. I told the Lord, I said, I really want to live right. I do. I said, Lord, I don't know how. I said, I could use some help. Well, God answered my prayer, and he, he sent my wife to me. Uh, that's the church all she known. There's an old mountain preacher by the name of Brother J.B. Smith. Y'all probably had never heard of him. He never got out of the mountains any. Uh, but he's old-fashioned, gun barrel straight. That was her uncle. It's the only pastor she ever had. And I met her and started going to church with her. 
fell in love with her, fell in love with the Lord, fell in love with the church, all fresh and new. And I pulled my wife aside. I was in the guard in those days. I joined the army right out of high school. And then I, I was in the guard, and, and I told my wife, I said, I believe the Lord's want me to preach. Well, she'd watched her uncle all of her life, and she'd seen it wasn't no easy task. And she watched him fight some battles that he shouldn't have had to fight. Amen. And before she even thought about it, she said, I can't, I can't be no preacher's wife. She no more than said that, and her phone rang. And they mobilized us for Desert Storm. And they took me away from my new bride and took me away from my church and set me down in the middle of a desert. A bunch of ugly men told me I couldn't go home. Now, don't get me wrong, I was honored to do what my country wanted me to do. I'd do it again if I need to. I got over there in that desert, man, and I tell you, the Lord worked on me. And uh, long story short, I can't tell you all about it. Long story short, I came home just a, just a few days after I got home. I told, I, I announced my call to preach. I said, I've got to preach. Yeah. I had the privilege to pastor for about 17 years in Robbinsville and learned so much during those years of pastoring. And but in 2010, the Lord worked in my heart and changed the direction a little bit. And I uh, stepped out on faith and joined up Brother Dwayne Moore in preaching time ministries. Yeah. I served along brother side, side of Brother Moore for seven years. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, he taught, me, he taught me how to love missions and missionaries. He really did. And uh, then my pastor, Brother Jimmy Millsaps, he, he's been the president of Prayer Baptist for a long time. And uh, Brother Jimmy approached me in 2017, wanting to know if I'd take the general director's position with Prayer Baptist and We've been trying our best to do that ever since 2017. I feel like a failure at that most of the time. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's a blessing to try to get to help these missionaries and love on them and travel and go go be with them and try to be a little bit of an encouragement to them. And, and uh, there's so many things we tried. To, I don't have time to tell you all that. I think most of you are familiar with the mission board. We, we're certainly not these missionaries' authority. We're just their help. We try to help them, their churches. We're trying to reach the world with the gospel. That's the whole goal. That's the goal of the Bible Baptist Church. That's the goal of Prayer Baptist Missions. That should be your goal. Get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Amen. And it's been a real privilege and an honor to serve him. And I'm looking forward to keep on serving him until Jesus comes. Amen. Preacher, thank you for letting me be here tonight. I feel like my nerves are calming just a little bit. All right. Take your Bibles. Let's go to 2 Corinthians tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. It is a missions text, I guess you could say, that we're going to look at. Uh, let me just re rephrase it. It's a Bible text that we're going to look at tonight. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Found your place. If you can enable, let's stand just a moment while we read a few verses this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Now, I'm real familiar with Miss Autumn, and uh, she's heard me. She's probably heard every message I've got. And uh, she told me when we come in that she forgot to bring her lunch with her tonight. And uh, so I can't preach too long. She always said she had to pack a lunch whenever I'm preaching. But, uh, so I'm going to keep that in mind. I'll try to be real brief. Uh, but I make no promises. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter number 8. Let's begin verse number 1. 
The Bible said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by vocation of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege you've given us to be here tonight. I want to thank you for everything that's already been said and done. And I pray now, Lord, for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God tonight, would you please help us this evening? I'm begging you, Lord, for your touch. I pray for an anointing. Lord, I pray for liberty tonight. Help me preach tonight. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would uh, take the Word of God and do a work in the hearts of your people. I pray that nobody would leave tonight without hearing something from heaven. God, have your will and way, and whatever you do, we're going to try our very best to thank you for it and to praise you, give you every bit of the glory. Lord, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Familiar text here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and I don't think I need to labor too much in letting you know what's taking place here in the text, but... Of course, Paul's writing this second letter to the church at Corinth. And when he comes to this portion, he's wanting the church at Corinth to look to or witness what God was doing in, for, and through the people of the churches that was in Macedonia. Macedonia was located in northern Greece. And in that Macedonian area, he had at least three good churches. He had the church of Philippi. You had the church of Thessalonica, and you had the church of Berea. And God, according to verse number 1, was literally pouring out grace upon them churches. The word that the Bible used was bestowed. He was bestowing grace upon them churches. And Paul wanted Corinth to get in on that. Well, I don't know what you're thinking about the day and time in which we're living in. And... Um, I certainly don't want to be too much doom and gloom. But as I look around us tonight, things ain't looking too good. Is that how y'all see it? Uh, and as I look ahead, to be honest with you, I'm really looking for Jesus to come. Because if he don't come real soon, uh, I don't know how much better it's going to get. We're living in perilous times. It is the last days. And the way I see it, if there's ever a day we need the grace of God, surely it's this day and time. You know, if it's just the older crowd still here and trying to live for God, that'd be one thing, but we got some young'uns coming on. But your Lord blessed me with three kids and, and my ninth grandbaby 
is on the way. And I just tell you, I ain't nothing like them grandbabies. But I'm really concerned about what they're going to have to face. I am really. What I'm trying to say is we need, we're going to need the grace of God as much or more than we've ever needed it before. Now, I know what Paul said. Paul said, uh, the Lord told him that my grace is sufficient for thee. I believe as long as the church is here, as long as you and I are here, his grace is going to be sufficient. I believe that, don't you? But what I see going on here in these churches of Macedonia wasn't just sufficient grace. God's bestowing grace. I've done a little word study. Preacher, I looked at that word bestowing. And here's what it means. It literally means to pour out in bucketfuls. I like that, don't you? To pour out, I forgot to turn this on, pour out in bucketfuls. It wasn't sufficient grace that them churches of Macedonia were enjoying. It was, it was, a, it was bestowed grace that them churches was enjoying. Now, I hope you believe it. God's not running low on grace. I believe there's just as much grace. Matter of fact, if you take the Bible, there's more grace today than there's ever been. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I believe there's more grace now than there's ever been. And I'm interested in my church and your church experiencing bestowed grace. I just kind of see as God's got a river of grace and he's, he's taking buckets and dipping in and he, he's pouring it out on them churches. Man, I'd like to have that here, wouldn't you? Like for my home church to have that. I believe it's possible. I believe it's possible. So I started examining the text. I said, Lord, what was it that motivated you? What, what caused you to pour all that grace out on them churches? I want that. I want our churches today to have that. So I, I done a little inspection of the text. I started looking. Verse number two, we start seeing the conditions of the churches there in Macedonia. I'm going to be honest with you, it don't look too good. Them churches of Macedonia is dealing with a great trial of affliction. Not just a trial, but the Holy Ghost said it's a great trial. Also found in verse number 2 that they're not only dealing with a great trial of affliction, they're in deep poverty. Not just poverty, but the Holy Ghost said it's deep poverty. But then right in the middle of that, this don't make no sense. Right in the middle of that great trial of affliction and deep poverty, they've got an abundance of joy. Wow. I'm telling you, that knocks a lot of this modern day stuff in the head. Joy don't come from things and situations. It comes from relationship. Amen. And you put all that together, that great trial, deep poverty, abundance of joy, you put that together and you know what it reached or what it amounted to? Amounted to their riches of their liberality. They're, they're given. And, uh, and then I, I noticed something else in the text. Verse number 3 tells us that they tapped into a higher power. They, they were doing what they were doing beyond their power. I don't have time to preach all this, but I kept looking. Lord, why did you bestow all that grace on them? And I, I'm convinced he didn't pity them. I don't think he felt sorry for him. said, well, you deserve it. I don't think that's what it was. 
kept looking and I didn't get satisfied until I got to verse number 5. That's what I want to look at for a few minutes with you tonight. Verse number 5 said, This they did not as we hoped. That's, that sounds like a negative statement. Sounds like a letdown. Almost sounds like Paul saying we was hoping for more, but really it's right the opposite. What them, what them Macedonians was doing didn't let Paul down, but it went above and beyond what they expected, not as we hoped. Amen. But here's what he said. But they first gave them on selves to the Lord. That's where I wanted to get to for a few minutes tonight. They first gave them own selves to the Lord. Can I ask you a personal question? Have you ever given yourself to the Lord? You ever, you ever did that? Now, now be careful how you answer. Stick with me a little bit and we, we'll see for sure if we have or not. I believe our churches are full of good people. And most of them never really gave themselves to the Lord. I ain't been around Bible Baptist a whole lot, but I'd say this church ain't much different from a lot of other churches. Good people, faithful people, but you'd be surprised how many's never really given themselves to the Lord. And if you have, it's been a long time since you did. Amen. I want to help you. Please don't turn me off. Let me give you just a little bit of something. I don't know what the Lord will do. I hope he does something to help us tonight. I really do. been praying. God, please help us in spite of us. Amen. And I don't know what, what's going to happen when the service starts coming to a close. But let's just suppose. Let's just, just suppose. What if one tonight, just one, made their way down and came to the old-fashioned altar and said, Lord, I don't know why you'd want me. I'm not even sure what you can do with me. But Lord, here I am. I want to give you me. Oh, my. I tell you, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? If just one did. And let me tell you what that would be. If, if, if somebody would do that, that would be the ultimate offering. You couldn't bring nothing greater to God than that of yourself. I want to preach tonight, God help me, on the offering of self. The off, you know what God wants tonight? He ain't interested in your money. Oh my. I won't say some other thing. He wants you. That's what he's wanting. He just wants you. If you bring yourself to God tonight and give yourself to God and mean it, you couldn't give him nothing greater. You could give him nothing better. Two things about that. The ultimate offering. Number one, that would be an offering of love. Can I tell you talks, cheap? You can talk about loving the Lord all you want to. You can get up and sing it. You can even cry a few crocodile tears. Don't tell you, nothing proves love any greater than how and what you give. Is that right? Nothing proves love any more than how or what you give. And our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, what happened? That He gave. Amen. He gave. Love promotes 
giving, a sure sign, sure evidence of love is how and what you give. Amen. Listen, you men, I could go ask your wife and I could find out how much they think you love them. You can tell them all you want. If you don't give a little bit every now and then, they're going to think different after a while. Amen. You can say it all you want, but you got to prove it by how you give and what you give. Even our text said that Christ, who was rich, became poor for our sakes, that through his poverty we might be rich. One of my favorite verses, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Again, a little word study right here on that word commendeth. I used to think, Brother Harris, it just meant that he proved, that God proved his love. And it does mean that, but it means more than that. It literally means to put on display. <laughs> it shouldn't ever be one of us ever wonder, ever question whether or not God loves us. should never even enter your mind. One look at Calvary should erase all doubt. I wonder, God, do you really love me? Look at Calvary. He displayed his love for mankind when he went to Calvary. Amen. He gave, God gave his son, the son gave his life. Why? Because he loved us. Amen. And if you'd bring yourself to God, that says, Lord, I love you more than anything else you could do. It'd be a gift. It'd be an offering of Love, you know what it'd really be? It'd be a gift of life. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Amen. God ain't looking for dead sacrifice no more. After Calvary, ain't no more dead sacrifices. Amen. He's looking for a living sacrifice. It'd be an offering. It'd be saying, Lord, I'm going to give you my life. It's all yours. Several years ago now, there was an older lady in a church, and I don't know her name. Matter of fact, most people that knew her personally didn't even know her name. Brother Ricky, everybody just called her Granny. The whole the church, the community just knowed her as Granny. Granny loved the church, loved the Lord, and uh, she had herself had her place right over here on the left side, about the third row back, where she always came in, sit. And she's one of them that. Uh, that came into church already excited about the Lord. She didn't have to be pumped and primed and nobody had to plead with her to go to worship. she come in worshiping. Preacher would think every now and then if Granny wasn't in church, there wasn't going to be nothing happen. Amen. And she's just a special lady. And uh, one Sunday morning, just like all the times before, she came into church just uh, bubbling over with joy and Excitement about being in the house of God. And the preacher that morning was back in his office. Now, Granny was a widow, and she only had one boy. And her son was a missionary on the foreign field. And just before service started, the church phone rang. It's before cell phones, and so the church phone rang. And the pastor's in his office getting ready to come out into the sanctuary, and and that phone rang just about the time he's going out. And he thought, he thought, I won't even answer that. People know, ought to know we'd fix to have church. But something nudged him. He thought, well, I'll pick it up. He picked up that church phone. He, I guess he said the church name. And on the other end was a 
missions director. And uh, he said, Pastor, he said, it's brother so-and-so. And he said, I hate to bother. I know you're fixing to start church. And he said, matter of fact, I didn't even think I'd get a hold of you. He said, but I had to try. He said, Preacher, I've got some devastating news. One of your missionaries, one of yours, was tragically killed this morning on the mission field. Come find out, it's Granny's boy. That preacher loved that boy about like his own. And it, it, it broke that pastor's heart right there. And now, time he gains his composure, they've done, they've done started singing out there in the, in the sanctuary. He, he didn't know what to do. He tried to gain his composure, and he, he came out, and he, where he came out from his office, he's behind the, the pulpit area, and he, he just gradually came out, and he let them sing, and he took his seat on, on the platform and, and, and just sat there thinking, Lord, what, what should I do? He, he's wondering if he should get Miss Granny and pull her out. Should he wait till after church? He didn't know what to do. So they got through singing, and he's supposed to address the congregation. The preacher gets up and walks slowly to the pulpit, and, and, and people started, they could, they could tell something's not right. And that preacher swallowing tears and uh, he couldn't get no words to come out and so he, he said this he said I just I just looked at my people he said I started over here on the right side he said I looked into the eyes of every one of my people come all the way back around over here on this side until my eyes met Miss Granny's he said when they did I broke he said and from the pulpit I just said Church, I've got some devastating news. One of our missionaries, one of ours, was tragically killed this morning on the mission field. And from the pulpit, he looked at Miss Granny and he said, Granny, your boy died this morning. Of course, she broke. She melted out of her pew and into the floor. Some ladies came and they gathered around Miss Granny and trying to comfort her and console her, but that only lasted for a couple of moments. Miss Granny got up on her feet. She looked toward the preacher and she said, she said, Preacher, can I say something? He said, Yes, ma'am, Miss Granny, you say whatever you want to. She said, I don't mean to go against what you said, but I just wanted you to know my boy didn't die this morning. My boy died up there on that altar before he ever went to the mission field. My boy didn't die this morning. My boy just went home this morning. Hey, man, there needs to be a time in your life and in my life, regardless of who you are, there needs to be a time when we die to ourselves. We give our life to God. Lock, stock, and barrel. Say, Lord, it's all yours. You do with it as you please. I, I'm telling you, if you've never done that, you've never offered yourself to God. You need to give Him your life. He can do more with it than you ever can. It'd be an offering of love. It'd be an offering of life. It'd be the ultimate offering. Let me say this tonight. If you was to do that, that would not only be the ultimate offering, that would be an unlimited offering. It's been a been a few years ago now, seems like yesterday, I got a dear friend serving on a mission field out west, Brother Ricky, and, and uh, he ain't been out there too long, been out there about four or five years, I guess now, 
And he had scheduled me to come out and preach his missions conference not long after he got there. But he ended up being delayed. He and I got out there about the same time. And, and what he did, he's in, he's in Idaho. Another missionary had started the church and they had purchased the Catholic building in town and turned it into the Baptist church. Long story short, it didn't go too well and the, and the fella ended up leaving. And he left a little handful of people there trying to carry on. God broke that. He used to pastor in Tennessee. You may even know who I'm talking about. He, he ended up leaving the pastorate and raised a little bit of support and went out there and took that over. And I went out there and he, he was showing me through the building. It's about the size of this church probably. But the ceiling, I think, may even be a little bit higher. And it's all wood. Got huge beams in the top of that thing. One of the prettiest buildings preacher I've ever been in. We walked down. Still had the confessional booths over here on the side. I said, brother, you going to use them? <laughs> he said, only his closets. And, and man, I was bragging on how pretty the building was. He said, it is pretty. He said, preacher, please help us pray. He said, this thing has a huge mortgage. And this little, this little crowd of people is trying their best to pay for it. And uh, I'd appreciate if you'd help me pray. I said, preacher, I'll, I'll try my best to help you. We come back, back east, and I hadn't been home probably two or three weeks, and I got, a, I got a notification on my phone. It was a video text message. Uh, uh, I don't know if y'all, Marco Polo. I, I clicked on that. It's that missionary. And he's sitting there wiping tears, holding something in his hand. And uh, I guess he sent it to a few preachers. He said, brethren, I just got to tell you what God did. He said, there's a feller came in off the street, handed me a check for $92,000 and paid off our mortgage. He said, we don't even know who it was. He said, I've done been down to the bank to make sure it's good. And it is. He's rejoicing. We rejoice with him. What an offering. 92, one, one fella said, boy, I wish somebody would give me an offering like that. I said this, and I meant it. I wish I could give an offering like that. Yeah. Amen, wouldn't that be a, what an offering. $92,000. But I got to think about that. Young man, you come help me preach just a minute. I heard him testify all ago. That's a blessing. What's your name, buddy? Daxton. Daxton. Daxton, how old are you? Ten. Daxton is 10 years old. I already know he's saved. Isn't that a blessing? I heard that testimony. I don't know about Daxton. I, Daxton, you ain't got no job yet, have you? No, sir. No, no job. You got any money? Yeah. You got some money. Is it a lot? Good bit. Good bit. I believe I'll stop right there. I won't ask him how much. Daxton's got some money, a good bit of money. You got it with you? Uh, no, sir. Okay, you don't have it with you. <laughs> you know what he could do, church? He could go home and get his money. I don't know if it's in a piggy bank or in the national bank. I don't know, but he could go get it. You know what Daxton could do? He could bring it back to church, put it in the offering plate, give it to God. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Some of y'all wouldn't even know it if he did. If he did, I'd say it'd make mom and daddy pretty proud. It'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? 
But I thought of something else. Preacher, what if Dax, and he may have done half. What if Daxton, he's just 10 now. What if Daxton got on an altar somewhere and said, Lord, I'm just 10. Lord, I don't know what you can do with a 10-year-old. I don't even know why you'd want a 10-year-old. Ain't got no job. Ain't got no truck yet, have you? Ain't got no truck neither. He might... He might say, Lord, I don't, I don't have much to offer you. But if you'll have me, I give, I give you me, Lord. I don't know if y'all shout over that or not. Might not even know about it. But I'm telling you this, we shout over a $92,000 offering. But there's way more potential right here in a 10-year-old. I'd say, God, here I am. You could have me. Do with me whatever you want to. I'm yours. Amen. Hey, that $92,000 is gone. It can't do nothing else. It's done everything it could do. But when God would take a 10-year-old boy, hey, don't you, listen to me, don't you minimize his age. Don't you minimize his ability. God can do more with a 10-year-old that give his life to God than you ever dreamed of. Amen. I could tell you some names of some great preachers that's still alive and preaching today. One I know well that a 10-year-old gave his life to God. God called him to preach at 10. God's used him all around the world. I'm telling you there's more potential in somebody like this giving their life to God than any size of check that you could write and give to God. Oh my. Unlimited. You bring yourself to God. No telling what God could do with you. Thank you, Daxton. He said, Preacher, I don't have no time, I don't have no talents, I don't have no abilities. And, and I'm gonna say this real careful right here. Maybe maybe you're here tonight and you ain't got maybe you ain't got too many years ahead of you. Maybe, maybe most of your life is behind you. We understand. But I'm gonna be honest with you, it's breaking my heart to see most of our older crowd stepping aside, turning everything over to somebody else and feeling like they can't do nothing. I understand, I do. And uh, my heart, my heart goes out. I understand that thinking, I can't do what I used to do either. But I'm telling you, you give what's left to God. God can do more with what's left than you ever dreamed of. If you would just lay it back down on the altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry I took it off. I'm sorry I took it back. Lord, the rest of it's yours. You do with it as you please. God can do more with what little you've got left than you ever dreamed of if you just give it to Him. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. You young people, listen to me. Best thing you could ever do is give your life to God. I told a little bit about my testimony when I got saved. But can I tell you another little testimony real quickly? Y'all okay? Miss Autumn, I'm sorry. Somebody go get her a snack. <laughs> I have to pick on her, I'm sorry. It, it's it's 7.15, y'all okay? Just, just checking. It, it was during Desert Storm. I told you he worked on me over there. 
we had a tent that nobody was using. It's an extra tent been already set up and everything, but it, nobody's using it for anything. And he's just a handful of us. We went and asked for permission if we could use that tent. I said, "Yeah, what, what are you going to use it for?" He said, "We'd just like to have some place to meet and ha have a little Bible study and stuff." So they said, "Yeah, I don't care." So they we started meeting inside that little tent. We about, we about had revival. We didn't have no preachers there, but we about had revival. I mean, God was blessing. We was taking turns and reading some scripture and had two saved. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. And it was one night after everybody left the tent. I told you he'd been working on me. I got down that sand in the middle of Saudi Arabia. I said, Lord, I've been saved for some time, man. I said, but Lord, tonight, I don't know why you'd be interested in me. I don't know why you'd want me. I said, but God, if you'll have me, I'm yours, Lord. You do with it whatever you want to. And may I tell you, he's done more with my life than I could have ever dreamed of. This little old country boy, backwoods, backwards. See, I've been all around the world. Amen. I've had the opportunity to preach to people that I never dreamed I'd even meet, much less get to tell them about Jesus. I'm telling you, God has done more with my life. I'm telling you, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't have dreamed of a better life than what he's done with it. I'm telling you, you got your big plans and your big hopes and dreams. It may sound and look real good to you right now, but if you leave God out of it, you're going to regret it one day. You give your life to God. It may not take you to the high-rise buildings, but I'm telling you, friend, it'll be a whole lot better than you ever dreamed of. Let God have your life. Let God have it. No telling what God do. No telling. If you do that now, that'd be the ultimate. That been unlimited offering. Can I give you two more real quickly? That also be an unending offering. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, preacher, you're talking about that's just an offering that just keeps giving. Nope, nope, that's not what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. When I say an unending offering, I'm thinking this. It's an offering that you're going to have to keep giving. Hey, some of you done that for. I am convinced in a church this good, in a church this size, hey, been several of you laid your life on an altar sometime before, didn't you? You said, God, here I am. Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since you did that? For some, it may have been a while. Probably time to do it again. As a matter of fact, let me give you a little advice. You probably ought to do it about every day. Maybe even a couple times a day. Because see, when we offer ourselves to God, as Paul said when he was writing to the church in Rome, or the Christians in Rome, he, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, I beseech you by it's a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. There's a problem with a living sacrifice. Listen to me carefully. You know what happens with a living sacrifice? keeps crawling off the altar it won't stay how do you know I know from experience I give myself to God 
And it ain't no time I find that I've done crawl off. I've took the reins back. I said, Lord, Lord, I want to do it my way now. Amen. Still go to church. Still read my Bible. But I ain't on the altar. I'm telling you, we need to live our life on the altar. We about come to a point in time in our churches we don't even use an altar no more. I'm telling you, it ought to be a, ought to be a regular thing for the people of God putting themselves on the altar. Say, yes, Lord, it's me again. But I've got to give it to you all over again. Amen. You're going to have to keep doing it. Kind of discouraging. I hope that don't discourage you. Well, preacher, I'm going to have to keep doing that. I don't even think I'll fool with it. You'll be glad you did. Bring yourself. Put yourself on the altar. Here I am, Lord. Gonna have to keep doing that. Has it been a while? Might be a good time to revisit an altar somewhere. Unending. Can I give you one more? Be the ultimate offering. Be an unlimited offering. Be an unending offering. But I gotta tell you this. It's an unrequired offering. You don't have to. Somebody just said, you don't have to. You can go to heaven. Never give your life to God. You believe that? Now, somebody may differ with me right here. I hope you don't. But when you got saved, you didn't give your life to God. Maybe a rare occasion it happens like that, but most of us didn't give our life to God when we got saved. Well, preacher, what did I give him then? Here's a little saying down in the south we like to use quite often. People say, I gave him my heart. I'm all right if you want to say that. But really, you didn't even give him your heart. You know what you gave him when you got saved? You gave him your sin. And he took them. Somebody say amen right there. Ain't you glad he did? He didn't leave me or you with a one. He went ahead and took them all. Amen. If he'd left us with one, we'd be in trouble tonight. But he done took all our sin. That's what we gave him when we got saved. He, He took our sin. Don't mean you gave him your life. So you can go to heaven. And never really give God your life. Saved, yeah. But never, never give God your life. You don't have to. Been doing some studies on the Old Testament offerings. Been doing that for quite some time now. I ain't going to get into all that, but I know some of y'all are probably more familiar with them than I am. Most of them Old Testament offerings all had something in common, especially if it was a vow offering. Every offering that was offered to God for a vow had to be without spot and blemish. In other words, that which was being offered to God had to be perfect. But a red one offering in Leviticus 22, that didn't have to be perfect. He said you could bring this offering even... If it was a lame offering, he used this word, superfluous. I had to look that up. You know what that means? Leaking fluid. He would accept that. You know how he would accept that? 
that was a free will offering. A free will offering is an unrequired offering. You don't have to give it. And if you do give it, there's no amount you have to give. There's no specifics about that offering. It's just something you want to do. Can I tell you, if you bring yourself to God tonight, you know what that is? That, my friend, is a free will offering. Amen. And the good news about that is when you bring it to God, you don't have to clean it up. It don't have to be without spot and without blemish. It don't have to be perfect. Ain't you glad that it don't? I'm telling you, bring yourself to God just like you are with all of your faults, with all of your failures, with all of your mistakes. Lay it down on the altar and say, God, I know it's a mess. I know it ain't worth much. But Lord, I give it to you. And you know what God will do? God will take it. Amen. Hallelujah. God will take that and he'll do something with it. <laughs> See, if it had to be that perfect offering, I wouldn't be here tonight. If it had to be without spot and blemish, I wouldn't have nothing to give God. All I got's lame. All I am's a mistake. All I am's no count, no good. But oh, thank the Lord. I've never went to the altar one time and said, Lord, you know what you're getting. And you know the mess it's in. I've never one time said, heard the Lord say, get off my altar, boy. I can't do nothing with you. Yeah. Amen. I'm telling you, every time, he says, all right, I know what I can do with that. Amen. I mean, if he can feed a multitude with five loaves and two small fishes, I'm telling you, he can take what you are and take what you got and he can satisfy a multitude if you just give it to him. Give it to him. You ever, you ever give yourself to God? If you hadn't, you're missing out. You're missing out on the greatest life. You may have a good one right now. Hope you do. But if you're still in control of it, it could be a whole lot better. Y'all believe that? Amen. Try it. Just try it. The churches of Macedonia, the first thing they did, what Scripture said, they first gave them own selves to the Lord. When they gave their selves to the Lord, God bestowed all that grace upon them. God used them. God done great things in them churches of Macedonia. I believe the key is verse 5. They first, first things are first. They first gave them on themselves to the Lord. You ever done that? Heads bowed, eyes are closed. Simple little thought. I understand that. Oh, how, how, how much of a difference it would make if our people would really mean business. Find an altar somewhere. Say, God, you know you ain't getting much. Lord, I don't even know why you'd want me. Lord, here I am. You may be on one side of this and say, Lord, I'm young. Don't have much. But Lord, if, you, if you'll take it, it's yours. But you may be on the other end of the spectrum. Say, Lord, ain't a whole lot left. A whole lot of it's used up and gone. But Lord, whatever's left, 
put it on the altar tonight. I give it to you, Lord. If you can do something with it, it's yours. And everything in between, everybody in between, find you an altar. Lord, here I am. If you have it. God, it's yours. Won't you do that tonight? Let's all stand. Several's come. Won't you, won't you join them? Find you an altar. Crawl up on it. Give yourself. Offer yourself to the Lord. Free will. He knows what he's getting. He knows you ain't perfect. He knows you got some problems. He'll take it anyhow. Oh, but thank God he won't leave it like that. No telling what God will do with that. No telling. Won't you try it tonight? Try it. They're going to sing. Would you?